evening, ladies. It is so wonderful to have you here tonight. Again, my name is Jenna Hannum. I'm the director of women's ministry here at Pathway. If you're new to Pathway tonight, welcome. Um, it is so great to have you here. Um, we actually had this conference plan, this this hope everyday hope theme planned for the spring of 2020 so march 2020 a week after the world shut down so it has been so interesting just to kind of think about this topic um, and even carolyn as she was talking about getting ready to speak um, that it just seems even more relevant now and just to kind of see god's uh, sovereignty in that situation that he knew we needed to hear this topic but it wasn't then it was now that we needed to hear these words so it's neat to be gathered here today and think through that. Um, I want to share with you uh, this passage from Romans 15, 13. Uh, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. I love that passage. Um, I was actually thinking about it this week because this was one of the passages that was assigned to me for the Advent devotions. And I was so struck that... It doesn't say that just that we find our hope in God. It says that we serve a God of hope. It's one of his attributes. It's who he is. And so my hope is that this weekend, as we are gathered here today, that you would just be awakened with love for this God that we serve. That it's not just that we find hope in him, but it's, it's him who is hope. Um, that's who he is. And I hope that you see that this weekend. I do want to just take a moment um, and introduce your retreat team to you. These are the ladies who have spent um, actually now a year and a half planning this retreat, um, but it's been a joy serving along with them. So um, when I say your name, um, the retreat team, if you're in the room, just stand up um, and if you could just give them a round of applause at the end. But Chloe Huber, Jeanette Marnick, Janine Kyle, Wilma Westbrook, and Misty Wurst. So if you could give those ladies a round of applause. Like all of your attributes, we recognize that your hope does not fade with time. It's not; it doesn't change. Uh, that we can rest in it because it's eternal. And so we thank you for that, Lord. I pray tonight that as Carolyn speaks to us, that you would just open our hearts to what it is we need to hear and learn. I thank you so much for this time together, and I pray, Lord, that at the end of it, we would just walk away feeling more in love with who you are, and just knowing you more deeply. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, ladies, it is a privilege to introduce our speaker for this evening. It is Carolyn McNichol. She is the wife of our senior pastor, Jeff McNichol. Um, she also has two lovely daughters who are now adults and both in Columbus, Ohio, right? And so nice and close and lucky for them, they can go in one direction and visit them. So if you give Carolyn a round of applause, I'm going to welcome her. Tonight, 
it could be a, on the little on the lighter side. Now, when they say something like that, that means you need to at least say something funny. <laughs> so, with that bit of direction, I felt that I was given the green light to start with something from one of the all-time classic films, Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> now, I've never actually seen Dumb and Dumber, but on occasion, Jeff or one of the kids will quote a line from that particular movie. And in one of the scenes, Lloyd Christmas, who is actually the character that is played by Jim Carrey, has his sights set on a woman of his dreams. And he asks her, what are the chances of us ending up together? And she says very matter-of-factly, not good. <laughs> and he says, not good like one in a hundred? And she says, no, I'd say more like one in a million. <laughs> and he takes it in for a moment, and then he gets this grin starts to appear on his face, and he says very excitedly, so you're telling me I've got a chance. <laughs> now, I'm not sure that he was reading that situation very well, but you've got to love his optimism in it. And here's a guy who found hope when hope should have been really hard to find. And that's actually the attitude behind what I would like to talk to you about or consider tonight. You probably didn't think when you signed up that um, we'd be taught something from Dumb and Dumber, but <laughs> here we are. <laughs> just wait until tomorrow and see what we're going to But can I just say as we get started that there can be circumstances that arise in our lives that threaten our hope. It might be at work where you've had dreams of rising your career, but yet that way seems blocked by a lack of opportunity or perhaps by a boss who doesn't seem to recognize your abilities. It might be a child who's struggling at school or one that's away at college and seems to be going wayward with their faith and you think they're never going to come back again. Or it might be that you have a spouse who you seem to be drifting apart from or it might be that you would like to have a spouse, but the Lord hasn't brought that right one along, and, and you're starting to doubt and to wonder if it will ever happen. Or it might be that your own faith is lacking. And as these circumstances persist, you can wish or pray that they would get better, and if they don't, hope becomes a casualty. If something there sounds familiar, or maybe it brings to mind a different situation that you're facing, it can be overwhelming. And when we get overwhelmed, it's hard to live in hope. I understand that perspective. I've experienced it myself. But this weekend, I want to challenge that idea that losing hope is an unavoidable outcome or a foregone conclusion. This weekend, we're going to be thinking about everyday hope and a hope that meets us in the most challenging circumstances of our life. A hope that offers you the refuge when your life seems to be drifting at sea, and there's fear and uncertainty and tragedy and even grief. You know, if we look in Hebrews, I love what the writer of Hebrew expresses. He expresses his confidence when he writes these words. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. I love that word picture of an anchor when it speaks of hope being our anchor. It holds us fast, even in the storms of life. This, this summer, my family spent some time boating and skiing on a huge lake, 
And at one point, we just stopped the boat and threw the anchor overboard. And we jumped in and did some swimming. And then we sat in the boat and just enjoyed the sun and the scenery around us. And having the anchor allowed us to do that. But we had to laugh when we heard one person telling how they wanted to do the same thing, but they couldn't because their anchor didn't work. They, too, had thrown the rope and the anchor over the side of the boat. But she said, the problem, we forgot to tie it to the boat. <laughs> but, you know, I think there may be times in our lives when we take our hope that could be providing an anchor for us. When that wind comes and those waves rise up in our life, and we cast it out hoping for the best, but it's not tied to our heart, and it sinks away. What then? Well, that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. The Apostle John, a close friend of Jesus, records a story of two sisters, Mary and Martha. And at that time, they had a significant need. Their brother, Lazarus, was extremely ill, so they knew that there was only one solution. If you have your Bible or your Bible app, if you could turn to John 11, that's where we're going to be. And it's important that we dig into the scriptures because there are some powerful truths there. And also because I don't want it to get out that my source material for tonight's talk was dumb and dumb. So if you would turn to John 11, beginning at verse 1. We see the context of this circumstance. Now a man named Lazarus was stiff, sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary was his brother, excuse me, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Now there are two important things that I want you to keep in mind about the context of this particular story. First, at this point in Jesus' ministry, he had already turned water into wine, he had cast out demons, he had multiplied loaves and fish to feed 5,000. Jesus had clearly displayed his supernatural power, including his power to heal. And secondly, everyone in this family, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they have been on the front lines of Jesus' ministry. They are close friends of Jesus. They're not just strangers in the crowd. They've seen his miracles firsthand. So now you put yourself in their shoes. Lazarus is sick. Death is imminent. Mary and Martha have exhausted all their options. At this point, they need more help than they can get from chicken noodle soup and essential oils. There's a, this is only something that Jesus can take care of, and they need to find him fast. Now let me ask you. If you had one shot at getting Jesus' attention, if you had one shot of asking him for help, what are you saying to Jesus? What would be your arguments for why he should help? I think I would send Jesus, Lazarus' entire spiritual resume, and it would read something like this. Jesus is Lazarus, your good friend, He's very sick. You know the one who loves you dearly, who does his quiet time with witnesses, who ties, the guy who would even change diapers in the nursery and work with the middle school kids if you ask him? It's Lazarus, the one who loves you, Jesus. So please come and help. But you know what's interesting? That wasn't Mary and Martha's approach. 
His sister said a simple seven-word message. Look at verse 3. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. You know what that is? That's a prayer. Sometimes we think our prayers have to start, Dear Heavenly Father, and that's, that's a good way to start. Jesus taught that. But he also taught that prayer is pouring our heart out to God. And in faith, knowing God would do something. So here's the point I want you to remember today. When you appeal to God's heart, you can expect to see God's hand. When you appeal to God's heart, you can expect to see God's hand. Now Mary Martha's prayer seems pretty backwards to how we're used to praying. Because we tend to pray, God, I've been doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. Well, most everything. I'm trying to love you more. I'm going to church. I've been praying. But mom hasn't been healed. And someone else got the promotion. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. So why aren't you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Could it be that God's response to you isn't based on your performance? Could it be that the thing that moves God most powerfully is his love for you? There's no doubt. This is awesome news because his love for us never changes. His love for you never fails. His love for you, it never ends. You need to hear this clearly tonight. God loves you. Do you need a basis for everyday hope? How about that God loves you? The gospel is not that you love God so much that he came to save the world. No. The gospel is that God loved us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die in our place so that we might have life and hope. Mary and Martha petitioned Jesus based on Jesus' love for Lazarus. And Jesus responds. Look at verse 4. But when he heard this, Jesus said, The sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Do you get the idea that John really wants us to understand that Jesus loved this family? Now look at the depth of this love in verse 6. So when he, Jesus, heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. What? Jesus loved them so much that he waited. He didn't respond. He didn't respond immediately to their urgent request that they had sent. So look at that again. The very reason Jesus waited is because he loved them. And we ask, why? That doesn't make sense. Exactly. It doesn't make sense to us. But that doesn't mean that there's no sense in it. The sisters were working one plan, but Jesus was working another plan. When Jesus finally arrives in Bethany, Lazarus has died and he's been buried. Now in the ancient Jewish custom, the first three days after a person's death is spent in watching over the body, and on the fourth day, the burial happens. So Jesus shows up on the fourth day. Lazarus has been buried, and the sisters have officially lost 
all hope. And it seems to everyone at that point that Jesus is too late. Now think about this from the sisters' perspective. They made the right request, but their brother still died. So either Jesus failed to hear them, or he failed to care. Either one is enough to kill hope. And you might be able to trace some of your own crises of hope to the seeming inactivity of God. But Jesus hasn't been ignoring the sisters. In verse 23, we see Jesus has arrived at Bethany, and he sees Martha, and he knows what's on her mind. Look at verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Kudos to Martha. That's a good answer. She knows her theology. She says, I know everything will be fine one day in heaven. Now for the believer in Jesus, that will always bring comfort. But it doesn't always alleviate the suffering now. Jesus goes on in verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe that? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is coming to the world. Notice that Jesus pushes Martha to verbalize her belief. He asks, do you believe in who I am, Martha? And to Martha's credit, she acknowledged Jesus as her Lord. In the midst of her heartache and disappointment, she knew the one who could have changed the whole situation is standing right in front of her, but he didn't. And yet, she still expresses her faith. There's a truth for us here. When disappointments come, when our prayers go unanswered, we need to actively, deliberately choose to trust in God, even when our circumstances don't make sense. Even when our circumstances still cause us pain, Martha chooses to continue to anchor her hope in Jesus, even when it feels like he's let her down. And when you feel let down, you can make that same choice. So let me say this as simply as possible. God is always in control of everything, and nothing happens outside of his control. God is always in control of everything, and nothing happens outside of his control. Therefore, no matter what happens, I can choose faith and trust, and it will be well-placed. Even when things feel adrift, Jesus is my anchor, my unshakable hope. Now let's rewind the story a little bit to when Jesus is first arriving at the house. We're going to jump to verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. <coughs> Honestly, has there ever been a more relatable prayer in scripture than this? Lord, if you would have answered my prayers, my husband wouldn't have left me. Lord, if you would have intervened, you could have prevented that miscarriage. Lord, if you had made me differently, I wouldn't always struggle with weight and insecurity. Have you been there? 
Martha's been there. I've been there. The giants of the faith through history, they've all been there. Lord, if you had done fill in the blank, this wouldn't be happening. Those are the questions born out of discouragement and doubt. But they're also, they also appeal to the heart of God. And remember, when you appeal to God's heart, you can expect to see God's hand, even when things don't seem to make sense. And this story is not going to end in doubt. Look at verse 21. Lord and Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But look at this. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. I love this. In the midst of pain and problem and doubt, Martha has a but-even-now moment. And that shouldn't really surprise us because Martha has a but-even-now faith. The phrase that Martha teaches us is but-even-now. It speaks of hope despite our circumstances. It's the kind of hope that relies on God's character and his promises. And Martha, she was leading into those right now. And it gave her a perspective in the midst of the most painful circumstance of her life. But even now, hope. It says this about our prayers. God, if you would have just shown up, I wouldn't be going through this. But even now, I believe you have a plan. You are sovereign. And you know I will get the hope, the help. But even now, hope says this. The diagnosis came back positive. But even now, I believe you can heal me. And even if you don't, you are still worthy to be praised. But even now, hope says, I want to be married to a godly man. But even now, I will honor God in my singleness. And I will serve him in every way that I can. But even now, hope declares, God, he knows about the impossible circumstances, but nothing is impossible for God. An older woman was telling me a story. She was carrying a burden for her 50-year-old daughter to give her life to Christ. And she had taken up the prayer 25 years ago. And she, it was one of, Lord, if you would just convict her of her sin. Lord, if you would just bring a godly person into her life. Lord, if you would just draw her to you. But she said she never gave up hope. She said, but even now, I know that you can save her. And she could not contain her excitement when she came up to me and said, 25 years I've been praying that. And now I got an answer. She's walking with Jesus. Let me tell you, your husband's not impossible for God. Your parents are not impossible for God. Your kids are not impossible for God. Your friends are not impossible for God. Your pain is not impossible for God. Our prayers can be, Jesus, the one you love, that's me, needs you to move. And in spite of what things look like in my life, even now, I believe you can work a miracle. Would you embrace that even now hope? That's pretty awesome. I think we could just put a bowl on this, sing a couple stanzas of Just As I Am, and go get some snacks. 
And as appealing as that may sound, I've got something even better. Because we've seen Martha's response, but what about her sister? Let's just take a brief moment and consider Mary. Look at verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Does that sound familiar? The same reaction that Martha had. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And in case you ever doubt the love of Jesus for his people, look at verse 35. Jesus wept. Jesus responds very differently to Mary than he did to Martha. He met her where she was. Martha needed insight. You might identify with her. But Mary just needed comfort. And that might resonate with you. Jesus doesn't try to explain anything. There are no theology lessons. He simply weeps with her. It's a reminder that Jesus willingly enters into all of our experiences, and he knows exactly how we feel. And he provides for our every need. So Jesus went to the tomb, and he was preparing to go in, but Mary protested. She said, Lazarus, he's been dead for four days, and there'd be an odor by now. But Jesus reminded her of who he was. And Mary said, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> Look at verse 41. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. This is more evidence that Jesus had the total purposes of God in mind as he carried out every step. That meant that the sisters didn't understand what seemed like a delay. Well, even though it was veiled to them, it was still God's perfect plan. And just because the circumstance may be veiled to you, it in no way suggests that it's not a perfect plan. Look at verse 43. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the power of Jesus. Someone once said that if Jesus hadn't specifically called the name of Lazarus, he would have emptied the entire cemetery. <laughs> Mary and Martha believed that the prayer that would move Jesus the most was a appeal to Jesus's love for Lazarus. Those seven words, Lord, the one you love is sick. They appeal to God's heart and they experience God's hand. So the question tonight is, do you have that kind of confidence in God's love for you? You should because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for at the cross, God declared forever, I love you. Meaning you don't ever need to question that love for you again. As we conclude tonight, would you bow your heads with me? And I want you to think about and pray this statement for your own life. Lord, the one you love me is 
frustrated, anxious, stressed, sad, uncertain, discouraged, confused. Lord, the one you love is filling the blank. Then anchor your hope in God's character and promises by saying, but even now, I trust that you are in control and working all things out for my good. But even now, I declare you as God over everything, and you deserve all praise. But even now, I am going to put my hope in you. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for being the God above all in whom we can confidently anchor our hope, knowing that you love us. Right now, we bring everything to you, our struggles, our pain, and we say, God, we trust you, even though we don't know what you will do, even though we don't know the timing in which you're going to do it, but we do know that you love us, and you delight in doing the impossible. My hope, my anchor, in you, and I choose to trust you regardless of what my circumstances are. I thank you for this time that you have brought us together tonight, and we look forward to being together tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, ladies, could you give Carolyn a round of applause? Thank you, Carolyn. We are going to gather back here again tomorrow morning. Um, we will open our doors at 8 o'clock, so you are welcome to come early, but our session won't start till 9. The cafe will be open, though, and you can come and enjoy a complimentary drink and just socialize and enjoy some time together in the morning. So show up anytime that you want between 8 and 9, and then we'll be hearing from Carolyn again tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. We're also going to enjoy tomorrow a panel who's going to kind of talk to us about what it looks like to maintain hope in really difficult circumstances. So we'll hear from them as well. You'll have the chance to even submit questions to them. So if you have not registered, or maybe you just registered for Friday and you want to come back tomorrow, please do. We would love to have you. Just walk on in and we'll get you signed up for the day. Um, but I'm going to um, go ahead and close us in prayer. But I do want to remind you, if you have your notebook, bring it back tomorrow so you can continue to take notes. If you're afraid you'll forget it, we put little bins in the back, and you're welcome to throw it in that bin. Just write your name on the front so you know it's yours, and then root through the bin tomorrow to grab it. So if you're like me and you'll take it home and it will never make it back, go ahead and do that. Those are in the back for you. So if you'll bow your heads. Father, I take, thank you for this time together. I thank you for the words that Carolyn spoke to us and that you are our anchor for our soul. I pray, Lord, that you would be with us as we go out from this place and that you would gather us back safely tomorrow. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you, ladies. Have a great evening.